Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? Ah, William Shatner, thank you so much for joining us. This week, Simon, we are talking about Keith Brooking. Keith Brooking? Yes, Keith uh, Howard Brooking, to give him his full title. Okay, t- tell you what, can I? Can we do this as like a 20 questions type thing? Sure. Right, okay. Is Keith Howard Brooking alive? He is alive. Okay. Is, uh, is he a white dude? He is a white dude. Okay, is he involved in the arts? He is not involved in the arts. Is he involved in the sciences? He is not involved in the sciences. Okay, so he's a waste man. Is he a waste man? He is not a waste man. Okay. Uh, Can I give you a clue? Uh, Yeah, go on. 21, 42. Oh! Are you insinuating that sport is not a form of art? No, I'm insinuating that sport is not a form of art or a science. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so uh what was it keith howard brooking he is an american footballer he is is he a currently active player he is a currently oh hang on is he currently active now then currently active as opposed no. to passively active he is um, he is passively act- he is no longer currently active uh so right now he is not currently active <laughs> no um he's 45 so he hasn't been oh yeah he's out of action for a long time, but a fair while. Tell me a bit more, because this is something. This is actually relatively relevant to something that happened in the recent past. Uh, indeed, the indeed. Super Bowl very recently happened. Um, what? Tell me more about him. What, what position does he play? Who did he, he play for? He is a linebacker oh. in the NFL. He was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in the first round of the 1998 NFL draft, and also played for the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. He played college football at Georgia Tech. Brooking was a five-time Pro Bowl selection with the Falcons. There's not a huge amount to talk about here, but do you want to hear? Do you want to, I can give you some stats, Simon. I've, I've got I've got stats here. I'd really rather you didn't. I mean, do you want to take th- a guess at how many tackles he's done in his career? Okay, let me let me try and math hammer this out. So he's had a full career. So he's probably played. Um, how many matches do they play a season? Like. Tw- there's not that many matches in a season, I think. No, because it's uh, it's like twelve. Let's let's say for the sake of argument, it's a th- it's twenty matches a season. Okay, and maybe he makes two tackles a season, and typical career length is probably like ten years, I guess. So twenty times two times ten. I thought typical. I thought typical career length is six inches. Uh, well, you might think that, Dan. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say four hundred tackles. You're 1,035 off. He tackled minus, like, 900 people. He got tackled by 900 people. He tackled 1,435 people. Wow. Yeah. That's that's kind of amazing. My, my mental maths was shocking there. Please don't at me, people in the correspondence. Um, <laughs> tackles 1,435, interceptions, 13, forced fumbles, 9. That's a lot of forced fumbles. Yeah, and and, and weirdly, weirdly, that's written in German. So I don't, I don't understand why <laughs> he hasn't done fumbles. any. No, nine. Uh, 
Because <laughs> this is the thing about American sports is it is so statistics based, and it is, mm. it's definitely true for American football and baseball. Is like just just stats with meat bags in the middle. There are I, I guess stuff like ice hockey and basketball is not quite so much, but I don't know. Americans bloody love their statistics, Dan. They they really do. Mm. But we, of course, uh, watched the Super Bowl together at an appropriate distance of several hundred miles. We did. Um, we did. Over over Discord. And uh, it was a bit, of a, a bit of a crap game, wasn't it? It was. It was a whitewash. I don't know why I bothered staying up. It kind of ruined the rest of the week just because I was tired for the, the rest of the time. And you think, well, and it's not got... even like you had a great night out. And you think like, oh, that was worth it. Totally worth it. I feel abysmal today. But like, you know, now, I, you know, the, for the week afterwards, I just, I just looked back and I was like, I just watched one team get absolutely <laughs> stomped. We got about halfway, didn't we? And then and then just went, you know what, let's call it a night. It was two o'clock in the morning. And we thought this is pretty yeah. decisive. I think I made it to the fourth. The end of the third quarter, and I was like, "No, this is this is done." Because mm-hmm. it, it it wasn't even so much that the Buccaneers were dominating the Chiefs; it was more the fact that the Chiefs were just making so many mistakes. Yes. Um and yeah, like, and the halftime show was a bit shit. And yeah, it was. It was the weekend, wasn't it? Uh, I think yeah, it was a Sunday. Mm. Good, very good. Uh, well done. <laughs> Sorry, I bet that joke's not. I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're pleased with yourself there. <laughs> you've let me down you've let the podcast down um, most of all time you've let yourself down I mean to be fair well actually you say that so I have been um, I don't think perhaps we did mention this previously uh, but Pixel Girl and I have been vegan for the past two months now mm-hmm. um, we started we did Veganuary and uh, now we're in the February um, and uh, I've got to say I have actually lost a fair bit of weight from doing it so I have oh. actually let myself down I've deflated a bit I mean like a, a, a very slow puncture yeah exactly very slow because like in January I think I lost well it's difficult to say because I had two measurements that were taken at very different times of the day and so I probably weighed a lot different anyway and um I'm also sort of working out at the home gym, so I'm definitely getting bigger in one direction and then shrinking in another direction. Um, but mm-hmm. I've only, uh, so far, apparently, I lost about half a kilo, which is not very much over the course of a month. But I'm hopeful that at the end of this month, when I weigh myself, that it's going to be a bit more. So it's a benefit of being vegan, I have to admit. I never really considered, but it's kind of a nice little side effect. You you just seem to, to just lose a f- couple of spare tyres from around the midriff. Yeah, why not? Of course, Dan. You you are famously plagued with struggling to lose weight. Um, how 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 many uh, peregrine falcons do you weigh? Two and a half at the moment. Yeah, strong it's... strong gust of wind, and I'm I'm away. Uh, <laughs> you lost that, it for a week. That being said, you got I do to France. I do think in the past year my metabolism is starting finally to slow down. Um, this happens in your mid twenties, and it, yeah. nobody seems to warn you about this no. until like you get hit like twenty three, and then someone will go, "Oh, by the way, yeah, you're about to be a fat." Fuck. I mean, when I say slow down, it's still racing. You know, hummingbird yeah. boy is still alive and kicking or flapping, um, but uh, I think I think it's starting to slow, which is which is fun, you know. Yeah, it, it's like I'm trying to think of a positive to it, but there isn't really one to be honest. Like <laughs> the ability to be younger and just eat whatever you want um, is it's really great. If you're yeah. young and listening to this podcast, my word, make the most of that. Make the most of the fact that you can chow down on as many pan au chocolat as you want and it probably won't make too much of a difference. Whereas now, minute on the lips, lifetime on the hips, darlings. I had a, I had a marvellous dinner last night, speaking of 
eating whatever you want. Quite the foodie, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like cooking. Um, but last, uh, from about three o'clock yesterday, I put a leg of lamb in the oven at one fifty um, Celsius um, to uh, to slow like roast for about four and a half hours, and it was you could just kind of like. I, you could pull the bone out of the leg and then just kind of like, like almost like a pulled pork texture, you know, like it was fork tender. And um, it was just, it was divine. Um, now, what was it? You posted something the other day on Instagram. I think it must have been a story that there was a particular, was it a type of fish that you, you're particularly in love with at the moment? Oh, no, I, it was Swiss chard, which is, which is, a, which is like a, a leafy green. Oh, of course, because Switzerland is famous for its fish stock. Indeed. Swiss chard is a green leafy vegetable in the cultivars of the uh, Flavicens group. The leaf stalks are large and often prepared separately from the leaf blade. Is it part of brassica? Have you heard about this brassica thing, by the way? No. What's this brassica thing? Basically. uh... Isn't that a a woman's undergarment, a brassica? Oh, damn. One day you'll learn. Oh, Um... Oh, no. Have I done it again? So basically, brassica is this group of plants that seemingly everything we eat... Well, I say everything. Like, a lot of the vegetables that we eat in the West all come from the same group of plants. Um, So, uh, like, for example, um, I'm looking at this infographic, which I'll include in the show notes. Um, The wild mustard plant is brassica oleracea. But if you basically do selective breeding on certain parts of it, you will get certain end results. So if you selectively breed the buds, that's Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are part of the brassica group. If you breed um, uh, a different type of bud, it's cabbage. Cabbage is brassica. The leaves are kale. Uh, The stem is kohlrabi. The flower buds are cauliflower. And another kind of flower buds are broccoli. Oh, wow. So all of this stuff comes from the same uh, group um, and I, I was just wondering if Swiss chard, I, I, perhaps that's one of the few vegetables that is not brassica. Swiss chard is amazing and I urge you to try it because it's just a bit of a mental vegetable. It kind of, I tried a bit <laughs> raw Sorry, can we before just appreciate, I... appreciate, that's the, one of the most wiki car sentences. <laughs> it's honestly, it's... We've really gone downhill from the wild heady days of university to Swiss chard is a mental vegetable. It really is. I think it's just fantastic. So you... I tried a bit raw, right, um, mm. to kind of get an idea of its kind of flavour profile. Um, and not only is it it's it's Swiss or rainbow chard, so it looks really lovely because you the 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 um the the stems are either kind of like a bright yellow or purple or white, and they, it looks quite attractive on the plate. Um, mm. But it's got a kind of it's got a kind of sweet and salty taste. It's kind of you know how... Have you ever had samphire? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Okay. So, well, samphire is very, very salty because it grows it grows in the sea, um, or certainly it, it's coastal. Um, whereas this has got... It's got this kind of weird, sweet tang to it. It's got a, it's got a load of flavour, basically. You don't need to do much to it at all to make it taste mm. delicious. However... There was a really interesting looking recipe for Swiss chard um, bruschetta 
on the back of the packet. So I bought, like, I went to Waitrose, picked up some Swiss chard, not a sponsor, um, and um, and thought, oh, you know what, I'll try this because the other recipe I'd done was an otolenghi because ot- I'm I'm a bit of an ot- otolenghi kind of acolyte, yeah. yeah. And this was, hang on, I'll read you the description of the courgette ribbons and rainbow chard with chorizo. So you you kind of like roast on a very well you grill at a very very high heat in the oven the stems and uh the uh the ribbons of courgette in a kind of in olive oil lemon juice and zest um you chop up some chorizo garlic cloves dill leaves basil leaves and then kind of plate and it's just like the thing that's so great about otolenghi if no one's cooked if you're listening and you don't know what who otolenghi is i urge you to Go and look him up and buy one of his books. Simple is brilliant. Um, his his cookbook, Simple. Um, but equally, there's a there's a new one that he's done called Flavor, Simon, which might be up your street because it's veggie. Um, okay. But it's just the most it's the most thrilling flavor combinations because he takes kind of three or four key flavor profiles and 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 kind of creates the most amazing combinations where every dish truly is greater than the sum of its parts because he very cleverly pairs certain flavors together and the end result is something far greater um it's just it's just amazing anyway yeah swiss chard that's what i was cooking the other day and i did it with a steak it was really yummy now whilst you've been talking about that i was just looking up because i was wondering where swiss chard came from yes and it's not brassica i can confirm it comes from the sea beet um which is uh so it basically it's the same root ancestor as sugar beet and beetroot um oh i guess but, that's why it's got the sweet salty thing i was describing right i guess i mean you know i, I i'm not a plant scientist i'm a doctor jim not a plant scientist <laughs> um but i um i have found on Wiki- wikipedia has a description of sea beet i'm going to read it to you dan but i'm going to read it to you as nigella lawson okay because this might be the sec. Uh, whoever wrote this wants to bang CB. Okay. <laughs> Let me just put it like that. I'm just going to put some music underneath this. Seabeet is an erect and sprawling perennial plant up to two feet high with dark green, leathery, untoothed, shiny leaves. The lower leaves are wavy and roughly triangular while the upper leaves are narrow and oval. The inflorescence is born on a thick, fleshy, grooved stem in a leafy spike. The individual flowers are green and tiny, with the sepals thickening and hardening around the fruits. That is absolutely terrifying. Whoever wrote this wants to f*** sea beat, Dan. Good grief. <laughs> that is word for word the description of seed beat on Wikipedia. That, yeah, I've just seen. I've just. I was reading along. Good grief! That's terrifying. That is truly terrifying. <laughs> I mean, do you find that your sepals thicken and harden around your fruits, Dan? Because I feel like that happens with H two. It probably does. I haven't hit that joy just yet. But, you know, here's hoping. Someone's definitely going to clip that, aren't they? That's gonna. That's definitely oh, going to go somewhere absolutely. on the internet. Right, well, uh, uh, football player. Yes, American football player. That was what we were meant to be Keith talking Brooking. about. Keith Brooking. Keith uh, Brooking. Is there anything else of note about Keith Brooking, Dan? Well, aside from the fact that he played for the Atlanta Falcons, a team that we watched in the Super Bowl of 2016. Uh, um, against the Jets? 
I think so. Hang on, Falcons. Uh, I might have just actually completely shown up how little I know about American football. Was it the Patriots? Yeah, it was the Patriots against... Yeah, yeah. The, the famous uh, comeback. Yeah, sorry, it was the 2017 Atlanta Falcons versus the New England Patriots. 2016 was um, the Broncos and the Panthers. Which I, th- I think we watched both. I think we did. We certainly we, we, we only watched one in... Also, I was with you <clears throat> when we watched um, the Falcons. My God, yeah, Super Bowl Fifty One features the largest comeback in Super Bowl history. At the halftime mark, the Patriots were twenty-eight-three down. Yeah, that's incredible. It was an exciting night, wasn't it? It was really good fun. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the the problem was, we were too drunk <laughs> to appreciate how how amazing the sport um was but it, it, you know because it was one of the great events of sort of american <laughs> yeah okay the game is regarded on the wikipedia here the game is regarded by many media outlets as the greatest super bowl of all time yeah and we were just sloshed we were hammered we in the no in the, stu- the student bar on on campus me you and lily uh, yeah. With our newly made friend, the man coked out of his mind. <laughs> yeah, good grief. And his and his girlfriend. I think they were both pretty yeah, well oiled, yeah, weren't yeah. they? Also, uh, I'm just reading here on the site. Uh, the do you want to guess? Actually, no, because you'll probably guess this correctly. Uh, the average cost of a 30 second commercial in Super Bowl 51 was five million dollars. Oh, good. Yeah, that I mean, crazy, just crazy money. Yeah. The thing Absolutely. I like so much about the Super Bowl is that if if you were a novice and you didn't know you were watching the Super Bowl and it appeared on the television, you would think that they were just broadcasting a college football game because there's so much money in college football. Yeah. You know, it's to all intents and purposes, the, the stadiums are more or less the same. And without kind of seeing the word Super Bowl on it, you'd be like, oh, right, that's, this is a slightly bigger game. Whereas, for instance, the difference in, say, I don't know, football stadiums in the Premier League is enormous. Well, and, yeah. and also the fact that, that those uh, the college level athletes don't get paid. Like they the, they are putting their bodies on the line yes. for the potential of a very lucrative career. No guarantee. And they, and they also they basically don't. I think I'm right in saying for the most part, if you get if you're on a kind of college football scholarship, you don't hmm. really pay your any of your fees, do you? At that college? Yeah, I think it's basically a full ride. Yeah. So yeah, you do have your education paid for, but you are not being paid directly for the labor that you are doing yeah um and you know you have to do so much extra work around your studies in order to meet the you know to 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 get that scholarship yeah um it's a slightly broken system really because america commercializes everything this episode today by the way dan is brought to you by our sponsor nebula uh well no uh (laughs) should i cut that no no that's fine i can stay we should actually probably move on because i actually know we both have a fair bit to discuss Indeed. In a subsequent section of this podcast. But Dan, I have a question for you. What is your poem or choral piece of the week? And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. Well, we had poetry last episode, so I thought I'd I'd return to kind of grassroots brass tacks and and go um and go with music mm. uh very unlike me i've actually gone and bought an album uh, uh, because it, wait, because what? it's not because it's not on apple music and it's not on spotify 
Oh. So oh, I've wait, hang on. To... Uh, is this Jesuit 06? It's not. Ah. But good guess. This, um, this comes from uh, Trinity College, Cambridge. It came out last year. And uh, it's the music of Jaco Mantiavi. He is a Finnish composer of classical music and professional translator. Now, this guy is amazing for so many reasons. Not only do I really like his music, um, and to try and... There's some stuff on YouTube, but the things that are really cool... He's written a set of... He's basically written Trinity College Cambridge a full service. So, like, an introit, responses, psalm chants, canticles, um, Lord's Prayer... Anthem, like the wow. whole thing, he's just gone all out, and they've and it's an entire album of his music, and it's really good. I really like it. Um, however, there's some stuff on YouTube that I will send you so people can find it in the show notes. But most interestingly, I was um, sitting over lunch the other day and was just kind of chowing down on a sandwich and some soup, and I fancied watch, watching something. And on a whim, I I typed into YouTube. Spem in Allium documentary because I wanted to know whether anyone had made a documentary about Talis's famous motet for 40 voices um, anthem rather for 40 voices um, Spem in Allium and there is a like a homemade documentary by this um, this person I found and I watched it and it was really interesting and only when I got to the end of the documentary did I look at who had made it because I was so impressed by the kind of the content and the kind of production value and it was just a really a really joyous thing to watch and it's this composer oh oh he's got his own little youtube channel and he's made he's made two documentaries one about um uh speminalium and another hang on let me find it mantiavi so he's done uh, Thomas Tallis, Speminalium, A Mystery in 40 Parts, which has 17,000 views and deserves more. And then he did another one about another famous Finnish composer called to- uh, Toivo Kula. Um, and his not piece throwing by... me in the Toiva cooler. <laughs> um, and his, uh, he wrote a piece called Hymn of the Sea, which is really... It's not well known at all, but it really should be. And these documentaries are absolutely brilliant, especially, you know, for someone with a background like yours, Simon, um, with, with kind of choral music and things. I, I highly, highly urge you to to listen to this Speminalium documentary because it's brilliant. And he's put a load of effort in and it absolutely pays off. He's got a very soothing kind of Finnish lilt to his English um, and it's just great. So not only does he write fantastic music, but also he um, he produces incredible documentaries. And I can't wait to see what he does next because it really is superb. Wow. I mean, I, I am 100% whilst editing this going to stop what I'm doing and give it a listen and put mm. the uh, links uh, to all of those videos into the channel in the description. So do yeah. do check that out, people. Um, and just for people who don't want to check the links and just want to Google it themselves, can you just get the name again, Dan? Yeah, so it's Jaco Mantiavi. Now, it's spelled... His first name is J-A-A-K-O. Um, and then Mantiavi, there is an... Uh, oh, what's the name for two dots? About? It's not an umlaut, is it? Umlaut. Yeah, yeah, it is an umlaut. Um, so Mantiavi is M-A-N-T-Y-J-A... R-V-I, and both A's have umlauts. Cool. I have to admit, that's, that sounds really interesting. It's like, brilliant. I love Spermidalium as a piece, and I, I knew it has a little bit of an interesting history, 
How, how long is the doc, did you say? The content itself is probably about half an hour, but the full video goes for about 45 minutes because at the end there is a full recording of Spem, but he does this amazing graphic to go along with it that explains divisions in parts and where the eight choirs should be in the space. Um, it's 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 brilliant. It's it's well worth yeah, watching. I've just sent you a link to it, so um, ace, thank you. You'll see, but it's uh, I highly recommend it. So either so listen to his music. My understanding of the piece is that mm-hmm. it's a, so it's eight choirs, and it was designed to be sung in an eight-sided building. Yeah, yeah. So some kind of octagonal space. So the idea is you're surrounded by the music. It's yes, oh, really really cool piece, and yeah, we should that that I'm going to be giving that a watch. That's the so best it's quite- endorsement I can give. In, in, there's there's lots of spaces um, where it has been performed where that's not a kind of that kind of space isn't a necessity but like a prime a prime space to be recording it would be somewhere like Ely Cathedral with the octagon. Oh yeah, um, of it's got that amazing um, that amazing roof. Uh, yeah, it's really great and the, and I th- I really like his music. It's there's something of the. There's something of the Eschenwalds about it in that kind of very kind of expansive um, soundscapey music, but I think mm. it's more rooted in kind of kind of classical training and and it's got a little bit more structure to it, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I really yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's I think it's marvelous. So I think the album cost me like nine pounds or something, but it's it's well worth it. I I will absolutely have to check this out. Mm. Well done, actually. Sorry, hang on. I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just can we can we just like stumble drunkenly through the door into the next section of the podcast, which is of course Critics Corner. Oh, after you. Oh, oh. oh god. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's better. So, uh, you, you, it's very uh, opportune that you mentioned uh, discovering sort of a new source of. Uh, documentaries because a a documentary source that I have been recommended several times in the past by our friend Hugo Wickman um, Mm -hmm. and I never acted on until this week is Internet Historian. Now have you watched any of Internet Historian? I have not. Right so originally he uh, is this Aussie guy uh, who did short form and i mean like a couple of minutes four or five minutes maybe uh documentaries about certain events in internet history so like that time that 4chan closed the pool in habbo because uh it was basically they all dressed up in the same uniform lined up around the outside and prevented anybody from getting in the pool and just kind of looked at the lead up to that hugo has sent he's shown me this before when he's been at my house yes i do know what you're talking about and um, since then, he's been doing slightly more ambitious documentaries. Uh, he's done two videos on the virus, uh, about coronavirus and sort of oh, the yes. crazy things that have been happening. And last week, he released a video about the Costa Concordia disaster, which is 45 minutes long. And it's one of the best things I've watched on YouTube. Uh, it's it's a very unique editing style. Uh, right. It's very meme but it ha- but it works in the context of this big documentary. And I'll include a link to this as well in the, in the show notes. Um, but if people want to look up The Cost of Concordia by Internet Historian, it's great. Really, really hard recommend from me. And I've spent the past week watching pretty much everything he's ever made. Cool. So that's that's cool. Um, but Dan, we, we were talking about this before the podcast. What would you mostly like to talk about in Critics Corner? Well... I think, as you well know, Simon, there are two games uh, that have been uh, 
invading <laughs> into my into my workspace <laughs> um one of which you've been enjoying too yes we've both been playing i don't think we've actually played together but um we we have um we, we both played valheim separately yes um which you should join us we have the new exeter server um which is <laughs> nice. me with um hugo and ed and matt and uh, I saw I'm missing somebody important. Danvey. Um, oh, yeah. and, who's he? Uh, sounds nice. Who's who's he? Oh, Dan Hanvey. Oh, yeah. yeah, great guy. Wait, till I'll tell you about him after the the podcast. So yeah, I do. Swear do. About him. Um, uh, and yeah, that's been really really good fun. For those of you, what is Valheim, Dan? But but what is a Valheim? <laughs> Valheim is uh, an open world crafting sim uh, where everything is made out of cubes. And you have to mine or craft your way through. To- I think I've heard of this one. Wait, actually, yeah, yeah, it's it's enormous. It was built by a single man, and then <laughs> and then bought by a single enormous company. Okay. No, Valheim. Valheim is a. It's set on the tenth tree of the Nordic underworld. I want to say kind of that and 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 the the kind of the general premise is that you've got to survive and make your way to what I guess would be Valhalla. Yeah. Uh but you've got to survive along the way. It's fully open world. The the world is pretty much fully destructible too, isn't it? So there's lots of crafting. You can mine things and knock down trees and build boats and sail on rivers and and go but into dungeons. But you can only do um like surface level mining. It's not like Minecraft in that you, you can't sort of tunnel down to the center of the earth. Yes. Um you, you... hit bedrock at some point, right? Like uh, like a couple of pickaxes below where you are, right? Yeah. But you can deform the um, uh, you can deform the landscape. So yeah, so there is terraforming, but it's but it's not as it's not kind of like virtual Lego like like Minecraft is. But I think I I I can't really describe or explain why it is so addictive because unlike so many other games like this, because there's Rust and uh, Conan and Minecraft, obviously, and uh, you know. Roblox and all, all manner of games that do similar things, but this is different, and I'm not quite yeah. sure how. I think, I mean, for one, it's I think it's pretty good looking, and part of that good look is makes it quite atmospheric. Mm. It is beautiful it, as you play. There doesn't you never really feel like you can't do something. Mm. You know, like there's a there's a kind of you're kind of put the possibilities are endless in that in that regard um and i i guess it kind of taps into you know when farmville on facebook was enormously popular yeah and it's that kind of very kind of menial tasks to get to to complete one little thing and thing and you getting satisfaction from that so like mm. going out and being like i need to build a house i must go and knock down trees I have knocked down trees. <laughs> I'm a girl. Yeah, and it's—I don't know—it kind of taps into something quite a quite kind of primitive um, satisfaction. It's, they've designed the game such that, like, you have to work enough to to reach that next step of getting wood or uh, you know uh, finding ore or something that it's rewarding, but it's not so much work that it's frustrating and just awkward. Like yeah. it's it's really they threaded the needle so well, and it's great with friends. Um, in fact, I think the thing that I enjoyed most about the game so far has been constructing a longhouse with 
everybody on the server and people like me and Danvi uh, trying to work out you know, the best way to arrange the roof and like a, a chest categorization system and like it's just great the the building is really satisfying just generally um in the game i think that's one of the best bits about it but yeah it's if people haven't tried valheim i think i i'm going to stream some more of it for sure but yeah would, would recommend and dan you should definitely join us when we when we yeah i'd love to but you have also been playing something else which i, I have. have watched but i've not played yeah so i've been playing divinity original sin mm. um which is absolutely brilliant um i really like uh like any kind of rpg any kind of role-playing game um and divinity original sin 2 is described as a role-playing video game developed and published by uh, larian studios um and it's a kind of top-down um third person fantasy rpg um Mm. it's it's got a kind of diablo pillars of eternity kind of similarities um the story is amazing it's fully voice acted so you can the immersion is fantastic um you can basically do anything um i think the combat system is really intuitive and it's just really fun to kind of lose yourself in for a couple of hours um uh and it's mac compatible so it's great it means i can i don't have to boot up in windows to to try and play the bloody thing so Um, are you are you playing solo or are you doing it with multiplayer I'm playing solo. Right. And how far through have you got? Probably not very far at all because I'm a, I I have to kind of explore absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah, you're a completionist. Um, so I, yeah, so um not very far. I've I've got off the the kind of the first bit is when you're you're kind of playing on a ship and then when you get to Fort Joy, which is the kind of the first yeah. kind of main zone, I've literally just arrived in Fort Joy, but it's I re- it's really good and I've been looking at it for a while and I, I only ended up picking picking it up because there was a really ridiculous sale on Steam um, and uh, I think it was down to like £16 or something um, so I, uh, wow. I picked it up and it's, it's yeah it's excellent really really good we, we originally watched it together I think with, we with did. Lewis, Sips and Perian playing and getting yeah, the incredibly salty at each other <laughs> yeah and I was interesting actually I was watching a Perian stream the other day and I messaged the chat saying kind of like any thoughts on Divinity and there was some really great feedback saying if this is your first time playing it play it solo um, you, you you only want to play it multiplayer when people ha- know what they're doing because otherwise right. it just gets really really fiddly and you need to have that kind of you end up just trying to micromanage other players and that's not fun so if you know what you're doing then you can totally rely on someone to like not play badly yeah um but but you control like in a combat scenario you control maybe five people at once so you do get you do feel like you're kind of almost feel like you're playing with others because every every character every playable character has so many unique qualities and 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 abilities and things so it's um yeah it's really good really good i have to admit it's one of these things that i'm very happy to watch but it doesn't really appeal for me to play possibly because in my head because i've watched the story and the story is the main thing i know what's going to happen if that makes sense yeah see the thing is there's so many different paths so like the, the, so the, the the gameplay that we will have watched is one potential branch of the tree that is this game. You know, mm. you could go a, you could go a totally different way. For instance, my the, the way that I ended up on the island was totally different to how I've seen other people on on like in walkthroughs or playthroughs do it. You know, um, 
your the kind of possibilities are like totally that's just they're so kind of multifaceted it's brilliant I'm, I'm really enjoying it I mean, we'll have to see what people's... If there's an overwhelming response of people either on, on the Discord, a link in the doobly-doo, uh, uh, or in emails, then possibly we could look at playing it. Or, to be honest, like, I... Now that we are both a little bit more free, um, yeah. we we probably could end up doing some stuff to go on Sponge and Electric. Because I should point out that I now, <laughs> I now am accruing an empire of YouTube channels, Dan, because... Not only do we have the main channel that I put most of my videos on, um, and also we have Spongy and Electric, where we do put the podcast, um, and we, well, when we're allowed to film together, put original content that we're going to make with, for example, the the uh, singles trying glickers from around the world. Right. Um, but I now have the Simon Clark Errata channel, which is for posting and videos that don't belong on the main channel um like i now do a monthly series where i talk about what i've been painting and i get yeah. to show it off and i can claim therefore my paints as a business expense um and i yesterday set up the simon uh, concentrated clark channel which is for youtube shorts um but yeah there is room basically in that empire um which could be an errata if we wanted to do it with the back row um or it could be on sponge electric if dan and i were to do divinity original sin um there's definitely room i think for us to do that yeah and for sure yeah let us know in the in in feedback of one variety or another mm. um uh whether you'd like that i guess definitely wait a minute dan what's that coming over don't, the hill don't say it is it a monstrous user interface please don't oh my god <laughs> Welcome to Patreon Corner, ladies and gentlemen, the part of the show that allows us to make the show. Um, we love it. We love Patreon so much, don't we? We Dan? do. We really do. We really do. And it, it and and this this really do. this section of the podcast where we are saying thank you to our wonderful um, uh, patrons and supporters could not be made easier and more fun, thanks to Patreon's uh, user interface. Um, and, Look, and general it's become a meme but I don't even think it's that bad they've improved it's, it they have improved it it's it's not, it's it's actually fine now it's totally fine <laughs> we just but, like we, but much like I refuse to ever watch Hamilton ever I will not say that Patreon has a good user interface even if it, it is perfectly fine it's manageable now if anyone from Patreon ever listens to this it's not a problem but we've got to keep up appearances we're just grumpy bastards we, we just are, like basically and that's uh, fine. But, that's all right. I'm here with my slippers and my coffee, and I like that. But what we're not grumpy about is the fact that some delightful people choose, for some reason, to support us on Patreon. You make the show possible. You are going to pay very soon for an editor, because I will not be editing the show for very much longer. And when we're allowed to, uh, we'll be meeting up in person and doing some more filming. And to be honest, Dan, we actually have quite a lot of money to spaff. Um, mm. The spaffing brats, as we're known here. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Wikicast is a perfectly a balanced system with no exploits. Um, yeah, so we could actually go kind of nuts with some videos, which would be really fun. But yeah. that's only made possible for people donating at patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. I would like to thank the people on Team Cat, uh, the top cats who donate just $5 a month, which is, what's that, Dan? The cost of a coffee? I don't drink coffee. Yeah, me on a, me on a street corner on a Wednesday night. 
you know, it's yep. pretty For the pretty cost reasonable. of one Dan, you can support a Dan and a Simon. Uh, and some lovely people who choose to do so whilst also keeping Jasmine fed because they are top cats are Elliot Conway, Oliver, Violet Hatch, Abu El Ella, the physics boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Izzy Christie, Tom Withington. Jesu, uh, Jesu uh, Christie. Uh, <laughs> Jesu Christie. Um, Navi Iftikaha, Christopher Turton, Marcin Koshinash. <laughs> Then Valerie the Third River Ward. There uh, that's the Sparrow Mask for those of you who don't recognise that. Um, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Jennis Humphreys, you don't get singing, sorry. Rents Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Easy, Omar Miranda, Cole Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Chocker Cat, Bendant, Isabel Ostrowski, Matt McGuire, and Dan Hanvey. And I would like to say an enormous thank you to the top dogs. Um, we have uh, Ben uh, Cape. Caples, jo- Josh, Shiaga, Henry the Seventh, King and L- King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, uh, Aaron Curry, Agudson, uh, Adrian Chan, Naf Laroch, uh, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Remnar, Lexi at front desk, yes. Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Thank you so much. You guys, for better or for worse, make this possible. Thank in you sickness and in health till death. <laughs> Do we part? Till the servers go down. <laughs> you may now kiss the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dan, we find ourselves in Correspondence Corner. Uh, we oh, actually wow. have some delightful emails this week. And as promised last week, we also have a fan fiction, which Ooh. I'm very excited about. Uh, first of all, however, we have an email here from Tom Withington titled Mental Health. Hi, Damon. Dan and Simon combined. I don't hate that. No, I actually I, don't I, hate that. Yeah. Following the previous podcast, I thought I would share my experiences with mental health. Uh, so last time, this was, I think, in relation to the fact that I made this video uh, which is now out, of course, uh, talking about the uh, positive experience that I had had uh, with therapy. And we previously talked about you finding therapy very useful. Yes. Um, and I am very glad that this is a a conversation with everybody involved that we can sort of promote. So thank you, yes, Tom, for, for writing in. Um, since age of 14, I've struggled with my mental health and only sought help in August after 10 years of struggling on my own. I think this is because I always looked at it in a bad way and the stigma surrounding it. You may remember mm-hmm. from my last email that I graduated in June 2020 and was really struggling to find out what was going on next in life. In August, my mental health reached a climax and I knew I had to do something about it for us completely broken... Uh, uh, before I completely broke down. I reached out to a therapist. Listening to the podcast, I fully agree with you both that therapy is the hardest and most incredible thing I have ever done. Before therapy, I thought that all of my problems were completely separate, and so I dealt with each one. Individually struggle with them and understanding why I felt this way. The therapist helped me to realise that everything was linked and allowed me to deal with it as just one issue, which really helped with the day-to-day. Now, that's actually something that my therapist has um, talked to me about, about how a large part of therapy and perhaps this is the same for you, perhaps not, has been taking stuff that was subconscious and elevating it to the conscious. Mm-hmm. So I was subconsciously afraid of disappointing people and that would change in my behaviour and make me anxious. And just being aware of that mm-hmm. makes me think, oh, this is actually causing a lot of problems in different parts of my life that I previously would have thought were separate. I don't, is that yeah. a similar kind of experience for you? Definitely. And and part of that 
realizing things into the conscious allows you to more um, kind of observantly analyze your inner dialogue and see when the kind of the way that you wouldn't necessarily think about phrasing things in your own head can actually be kind of like compoundingly damaging Mm. you know like so listening listening to how you so like for instance i i i would often use the word i would often use the word like should or could a lot in my inner dialogue because that Mm. that allows me to blame myself you know um and it's it's little things like that but absolutely that that's this idea of how um realizing that everything was linked is so true certainly in in my my experience with therapy it's it's and that's what makes it so hard you know because you're you're having to confront things as not being like you know oh i'm fine you know i've i know people who've gone through really intense depression and i'm and i'm you know i i've i look at my lot in life and i'm not nearly as i'm you know i'm very lucky really and and actually it it, it takes a lot to be able to look at your kind of past experiences and see how linked things are and see how frankly overwhelming some of those kind of hardships can be and and how much you've had to carry but to be able to start kind of accepting that and and kind of working with that is is so rewarding yeah absolutely it's the best thing i've certainly done recently um yeah and it's game-changing, basically. It's like uncovering a cheat code. It's like somebody slips you a piece of paper that's like, you know, there's a secret area of the server that's got ways that will make you play better. And yeah. then you go in, you sit down, there's a therapist. Like, it's it's great. Anyway, um, in my last... Go back to Tom's email. In my last email, I spoke about what I'd like to do next. Since August, I've moved from my hometown into my own house in Salisbury and now work for a veterinary nutritional company. Oh, no, not nutritional. Nutraceutical. So I guess that's pharmaceutical and nutritional combined. I guess, yeah. Interesting. Called Vet Plus and have a great career ahead of me. Well, hey, hey, hey. That's amazing. Um, I'm also starting an MSc in animal manipulation. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Hello. Woof. <laughs> Will uh, it blend? Uh, which I will be doing part-time alongside my job. Without going to the therapist, there's no way I could have done all of this. I'm really happy, Tom, that you yeah, have. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's fantastic news. Well done, my dude. Um, uh, he concludes, I am also incredibly lucky that I'm in a group chat with a bunch of guys from old school. We have a very non-judgmental attitude and it's encouraged. If you're having a bad day, speak to the chat about it. Yours faithfully, Tom Withington, PS Team Cat. I have a degree in bioveterinary science, so I think my top cat Patreon should count for two votes. Correct. Um, yeah, being open about this kind of thing and actually, you know, feeling that you can express yourself to your peers is such an important part of of long-term mental health i cannot stress that enough we have an email here from nathan and it reads dear mrs clark and more long-time listener here but first-time writer i would just like to start off by saying that i absolutely love your podcast and have been a follower for a good year now bringing all of your earlier episodes over the period of one week good oh binging binging all of your earlier episodes um over the period of one week that's intense (laughs) well done nathan yeah that's a lot (laughs) after finally catching up um i listen to your podcast whenever you upload and and can certainly say that the dulcet tones of your voice clearly have kept me sane over this most recent lockdown as i've started again from episode one while i'm writing a paper for publication in a large international chemistry journal i'm a 22 year old chemistry phd student studying in london after having completed an integrated master's degree 
uh, in pharmaceutical chemistry, also in London. After graduating in the summer of last year, I found myself getting rejected for every funded PhD project that I applied for, as I believe my grades on paper did not make me the best candidate. After watching Simon's reasons to do a PhD, for possibly the fourth time, I decided to reach out to self-funded PhD project in a research area uh, that highly fascinated me and always has. The only reason that I had put off previously applying for this is due to its lack of funding. I then asked myself, why should I do a project that I'm not interested in just because it's funded? Within 10 minutes of sending the initial email, I was put in regular contact with the PI um, and within one month found myself in a new university starting the PhD of my dreams. Way. I feel that I can relate immensely to both of you. Dan, congratulations on starting your law conversion course with the GDL. Law was a subject that I took at A-level and found the subject highly interesting and actually turned out to be the subject I performed best in, so I decided to take a chemistry degree, but no regrets. My passion for law was highly fueled when I uh, was uh, approached to take part of a moot mock trial. At this stage, I felt the buzz um, that all student the law students feel. After successfully winning the competition and beating my- off my learned friends, I found... Myself taking part I'm in sorry, several. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> Beating off my learned friends. He beat off all of his learned friends. Yeah, he must be exhausted. Bless him. God, I was um, drinking at that point. I just genuinely choked. <laughs> I found myself taking part in several moot competitions uh, throughout my A-levels, including the uh, bar mock trial moot held at the Old Bailey. Oh, wow. Oh, I thought that when he said moot competitions, he meant out- competitions where the outcome wasn't important. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, unfortunately, we lost, uh, but it still did happen. It, it still did not dampen my love for the subject. I still consider even now taking the GDL after my PhD because I love the subject so much. Dan, hearing you talk about your recent episode on the grounds for tort claim, establishing duty of care, providing breach, and then assessing damage brings back all the memories of my A-level days. Simon, I've watched your PhD vlog series in several, uh, in full several times now, and I love it every time I watch it, um, and can now find myself relating to aspects that you mentioned. Specifically, I relate to your scrubbles with the PV inversion code mm. and relate this to chemical reactions that I'm doing that should, but simply do not work. It is the most frustrating <laughs> thing in the world. I cannot express to people that have never had this situation just how infuriating it is. Yeah. I remember when we lived together and when things weren't working and just the kind of you could you could feel kind of hot waves of frustration emanating from your room. Yeah. <laughs> um, aside from being a scientist with a very academic background, I love the arts, specifically music and theatre. Prior to these desperate times, I used to work in the West End uh, for West End musicals such as Wicked, Phantom of the Opera, Lion King, and Les Mis as a lighting technician. Hmm. Unfortunately, this was all put on hold and I became unemployed due to a pure lack of support our industry has faced during these times. Being out of work from a hobby and a job that I love really does bring me down at times. Yeah, I totally get that. Hmm. On the topic of Hamilton, to both Dan and Simon, I would agree with both of you. Dan, I feel your distaste for the show and um, and to a large extent would agree with you until I was given cheap tickets to the show one night and was amazed at the spectacle before me. No, I am not a huge fan of some of these newer interpretations on classic musical theatre shows, but I did certainly find it enjoyable. I did, however, find uh, that watching it on Disney Plus with subtitles uh, recently gave me a far greater insight into the story as I could finally understand and hear what was being sung about through the hip hop and rap. I realise that this has now been a very lengthy email. I wish both of you all the best and remain an avid reader of the Wikicast as it brings me much joy and, and the content and so much content during these boring days at home. Kind regards, Nathan Long, 8,296 days old. Thank you, Nathan. I love the self-awareness, you know? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I realise this has gone on for quite some time. (laughs) Wow, well, thank you very much. That's that's a lot to process there. Um, And uh, honestly, 
Uh, I don't even know which one to pick, Dan. Pick a, pick a point. Pick a point, please. Well, I'm 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 pleased on a totally egotistical level that somebody agrees with my views on Hamilton and that they are justified. Um, Wait we'll see what happens. Was that there. what he said, Dan? I feel your distaste for the show, and to a large extent, would agree with you. Until <laughs> I was given cheap tickets. Yes, yes, yes. We're gonna we're gonna ignore that bit. I'm just gonna focus on and and to a large extent would agree with you because that's generally the best course of action when you're in, when you're yeah. engaging in discourse with me. Ah, uh, modern discourse. Yes. Um, well, we now Dan come to a very exciting moment. Uh, we, I want to point out that we do actually have two emails that we are going to skip over. Two what? So, sorry. Two emails. What did uh, I say? Emails. I don't know. It came out slightly weird. It sounded like you said A-mails. Two B-mails uh, that we have, uh, one of which is a confession. So some of you who have been reading the show for a while may remember that we are the licensed priests for county... Pedantry. Pedantry in Dubai. And uh, yes. we will take your confessions and absolve you of your mediocrities. And uh, basically, we have one email. If you would like to submit your things that you would like to be absolved for, which can be minor or they can be major, uh, we uh, the funnier the better, uh, we will do so next week. And we also, Dan, have some poetry that Adam Freed sent us. Um, oh, cool. Called A Top Dog's Ballad. Uh, ballad. And uh, we'll read that next week because just to round out the show this week, we now have a fan fiction that has been sent in by Benjamin Ashton, a.k.a. Smashton, a.k.a. 8 Ashton. And it, his email begins thus, Dan. Dear Mrs. Clark and Moore, obligatory long-time listener, first time writing in, and I have no idea how to do fan mail. I'm a mechanical engineering student at Newcastle, New, Newcastle University. I can't do him. I can't Amazing. do a Geordie accent. Very good. <laughs> I genuinely can't do Geordie at all. Whilst COVID has sort of ruined my second and third year, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I hope to go out on a placement next year. Uh, it was Simon's influence when he shot me in the eye with a paintball gun. Wait. Uh, Simon's influence when he is still part of the Oxblog project that made me aim high. And whilst I didn't make it to Oxbridge, I did make it to Newcastle, which is a miracle in itself as I went to a terrible school. It failed its Ofsted inspection twice in a row. My mm. word. That's a lot. Uh, you two have really helped me get through my degree of providing entertainment when I needed it most, and I love realising when there is another wiki cast up. It really does make my day. I'm very glad to hear that. I have attached the first chapter of something I wrote whilst bored in a few spare minutes this exam season. Forgive the grammar, it's not my strong suit. I do numbers, not letters. I'm not 100% sure Dan will enjoy, but I hope Simon does. If you do like it, I may do a few more chapters. Also, suck it, Dan. Dogs are smelly. Cats are the superior animal. Kind regards, Benjamin Aston. Ace. Well, Benjamin, you've start you've you've started really well for making me uh, making me like this first chapter of your fan fiction by slagging off dogs, um, and and I'm sure it'll be great. I'm I'm looking forward to. What's to- Benjamin Ashton aged six and twenty seven over forty two months? I wonder if that's meant to be six hundred and twenty seven over forty two months. There's a space that's been added. Hang Could on. be. Maybe maybe he is just very young seven no eight eight and how many months is that i have no idea i am not gonna do my mental math is not my strong suit no right are you ready dan this I'm is so ready uh there's gonna be a ton of references in here that i will appreciate and will probably fly straight over your head like a arvis lighter um but are you going are we are we gonna is this going to be like script dialogue or are you going to take full charge of this? Oh, okay right well, um, how about you do your lines okay and um, uh, I'll do the narration of my lines. Okay, this doesn't actually have a, a, a title, I don't think. This is just chapter one. 
M40.885. With his head above the parapet, a man squinted hard, his eyes searching the horizon for a good while before he finally slid down the muddy side into his deep foxhole. He had seen nothing. Thick black clouds hung over this world and obscured almost all light from the three moons that orbited it. Once settled, he placed the Laz rifle he'd been clutching to the front of the foxhole whilst murmuring, Artillery, to the comrade opposite him. The other man was shorter, and his fair face was framed by a thick set of Munitorum standard-issue spectacles, which caught (laughs) rivulets of rain falling from his helmet. The drizzle was lazy, but it had permeated everything, and despite their waterproof ponchos... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why ponchos made me laugh. I'm so sorry. Like, he's really setting up a mood here, and I'm just imagining us as like Mexican troopers. Yeah. Um, their fatigues, webbing, and packs were soaked. You never told me your your name, friend. The short man said to Tother. Simon, he replied. Trooper Simon Clark. What about yours? You didn't tell me yours either. The other man adjusted his glasses and wiped water from the lenses. Moore. Dan Moore's the name. Simon nodded slowly. You're from the northern continent, right? Dan nodded back. Yeah, that's right. I was a student at the Universitarium there, and I was a member of the local Ecclesiarchy Ecclesiarchy Choir. Yeah, that's right. I was a student at the Universitarium. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a really northern continent. Yeah. A smile came to Simon's face. Really? I was a lay member of the Mechanicus and a member of the Admech Choir. I was working on atmospheric predictions of Exeter's weather. <laughs> That's just an Exeter in this world. Oh, wait, hang on. A forlorn look crossed both their faces in unison. The look of men missing their planet. We come from the planet Exeter, Dan! Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I never thought I would ever leave Exeter. Leaving seemed like it was so far away, completely incomprehensible. Dan offered miserably. Both men felt the loss of their world keenly. Both had left as part of Exeter's tithe. The 36th Exeterian... Is that... What is someone from Exeter called? An Exonian. Ah, okay, so uh, it should be. The 36th Exonian Fusiliers, which is actually a sick name for a regiment, can I just say? The latest Astra Militarum Imperial Guard regiment to be founded. Now they found themselves in the misery swamps of Volton Secundus, a horrendous planet covered in mostly swamp and jungle. Disease was prolific, and both of them had seen others go to see the Medicae, only to die in agony. Eye rot, spiculum, and postratum. <laughs> I wonder if that should be... Spiculum and, prost- and, and postratum are two miniature drinks I have downstairs that we will be trying uh, ah, when yes. this lockdown ends. <laughs> Unicum, spiculum... <laughs> And then were dropping in the hundreds. Such casualties necessitated the merging of squads, which is how the duo had come together. How they had found themselves ahead of the final battle of the campaign, despite the fact that neither of them had seen combat since arriving. Tomorrow, they would leave their positions and head through the jungle to the suburbs of the capital. You think the enemy will be ready for us? Dan said, breaking the tense silence that followed the mention of Exeter. Simon thought purposefully for a moment about the challenges ahead and the path that had led them here. Maybe, but the Emperor has a plan for us all. He meant for us to be here, doing his work, even in this hellhole, he said, nodding towards the thick, matted jungle ahead of them. A crux flew overhead, and they both ducked instinctively. The flies were notorious for killing men. They would perch gently on soldiers' helmets, then bite the backs of necks, and would kill men in minutes, the venom going straight into the spinal cord. Oh dear. 
The distant thunder of artillery finally ceased. The sounds of the jungle came back with a vengeance. The chirps of crickets, the wings of crux flies, the loud bilious warble of swift wings, all set against the constant droplets from branches splashing into the small pools scattered across the ground. It was now that Dan finally realised that water was pooling in the foxhole again. Doffing his helmet, he scooped several times and bailed the water at their feet. You sleep, I'll take the next watch. Simon nodded his thanks, laid back and closed his eyes. It took a few more attempts to empty the pool, but once done, Dan replaced the helmet, the water dripping down his face, much to his displeasure. He took a cereal bar from his pocket and started ripping off and heavily chewing the bland chunks, whilst the opera of artillery started again, resuming their barrage on their next target. And there we go. Very much cool. a scene-setting kind of fan fiction. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. It was very atmospheric. Very, very good. It, it, it reminded me of... um. Oh, God. Is it Monfax? This is deep lore. Deep lore now, Dan. I want to say Monfax. Hot diggity dog! He shoots, he scores. Fantastic. Uh, the, well done. The planet Monfax from the second Gaunt's Ghost novel, um, uh, Ghostmaker, which uh. is the worst, go- uh, worst Gaunt's Ghost novel, probably. No, definitely. Um yeah, very nice. Very, uh, I enjoyed that a lot. I like the idea of us being from the 36th Exonian Fusiliers. Yes. Yeah. Very cool name. I'd be up for some more of that. Well done, however. That is the end of the podcast. And what did we learn today? Today, Simon, we learned about Keith Howard Brooking, the yes. former American football linebacker in the NFL. Yes, and we talked about him, actually, for longer than we probably do about most subjects. Uh, yeah. <laughs> before talking about... Uh, American football and what we've been up to and we spoke about Valheim and Divinity Original mm. Sin 2 and I mentioned oh. Mantiavi we completely forgot to talk about WandaVision have uh, you actually yeah. watched it yet I've watched a cup. I've watched like the first three episodes and I've not watched any more oh okay I'm, did you not get I'm into finding, it yeah I'm not really getting into it it's not for everyone. I think it's 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 definitely if you're well into the MCU and if you mm-hmm. really enjoy the characters and know them well, I think it's a really excellent show. Um, mm-hmm. And it definitely ramps up as the series goes on. It gets better and better. I think. I think it, it might be episode four. It might be episode five where they do the first of several big reveals. Have you met the FBI agent yet? Yeah. Okay, right. So they have actually... I think that's the episode then where everything starts getting more interesting, I think. So it's not for you. That's fine. But yes, yeah, so we talked about that, obviously, and we had Patreon, and we had some great correspondence, and uh, a 40, Warhammer 40,000-themed fanfiction, which I'm a big fan Fantastic. of. Fantastic. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Confessions, further fanfiction, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at Spongy electric at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole and we'll see see you you next time. time i am now recording i am also now recording excellent my levels look beautiful right i think mine are pretty decent too let me just change this to time so it's not counting in 120 crotchets per bar oh it actually was i was only joking (laughs) no that's the it's the default on garage band it's slightly annoying but there we are um and let's yeah metronome metronome is turned off amazing i have a metronome going for the entire time yeah we have to talk in a persistent beat
for the whole. Hello, I'm Dan, and I'm Simon. Welcome to... Well, oh no, Dan, our metronomes are misaligned. Oh jeez. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh dear. Wait, right. What are we doing? Are we doing this in three, four, or... <laughs> uh, script podcast. If, if the Wikicast was a time signature, what would it be? Seven, eight. Yeah, that's fair actually. Or it would be it wouldn't be written in seven eight, it'd be written in like a bar of four four and then a bar of three four changing every two bars. <laughs> Just to be really annoying. <laughs> like the like the dove, Mr. Brevis. On our respective uh, sheet music as well, there's just like eighteen bars of pause whilst the other person does a solo. Yeah. Oh wait, now <laughs> <laughs> Cadenza Right, I think I'm good to go. I am also <clears throat> so, so if you're sitting comfortably. You're leading. And then I've got I am leading. Marvellous. Marvellous. Well, money is super marvellous. Okay, got a good feeling about this one. Mm-hmm. You can just tweak the nips. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 